Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bitches, Witches, and Queers, a podcast dedicated to those who have left religion behind and are now seeking to rebuild their lives through self-exploration, play, and spirituality. I, your host, Christina Carlson, am an embodiment and intuition coach. I work with bitches, witches, and queers to discover their own worth and value and learn how to trust themselves to create the lives they want. I'm an experimenter by nature, so this podcast, like my life, is an offering in flux. What you find here will be diverse and, hopefully, interesting. One thing you can know for sure is that we will get good and curious here. Welcome. Don't let a breakup beat you. Use it as a launching point to design the life of your dreams and have fun while you do it. Sometimes you just need a little reminder that this too will pass and some inspiration to get you back on your feet. That's why I'm sharing with you the X-Files podcast. The hosts, Janice and Claire, are both breakup coaches who show up each week to discuss all things breakup and dating related with a lot of laughs and a bit of science along the way. Check them out at X-Files with a PH wherever you listen to podcasts to help you heal from a past relationship, build your confidence, and get back out there in a magnetic way, no matter how rough your last relationship was. Hello and welcome back to Bitches, Witches, and Queers. I am here today with my incredible guest, Molly. Welcome, Molly. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm so fucking stoked. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you. Um, we've talked once before and we had a great time. So I'm yeah. excited to talk about spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, what does spirituality mean to you, Molly? Woo, we are diving right in. <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a big question. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, so I'm an artist and a creativity coach. So a lot of spirituality for me, I've realized has always been centered in that area of creativity. Mm -hmm. Um, Even, even through being like a worship leader in the evangelical church for 10 years. And like, cause that was like my spiritual upbringing and really my spiritual um, ancestry has to do with a lot of like, pagan stuff that I'm discovering. And so for me, like spirituality is this beautiful, um, web. It's almost like, it feels like a brain to me of all these different neurons that are like firing and connecting at different times. Um, and it's, it's, it's like the safe space that I find within myself, I guess is like the most concise way that I could describe it. Um, and the way that I get there most quickly is through, movement and through creative practices so Mm. yeah that's such a beautiful definition I'm writing it down (laughs) safe space that I find within myself Mm -hmm. and you access that is also connected to like the web of everything else out there that is you know yeah yeah um (laughs) so obviously from what you've said you didn't grow up with this um what was your like if you if you have memory of it, I'm curious what your um, spirituality or self felt like before you really moved into religion and lost mm. that, or did you ever lose that? I don't know if I ever really lost it. I think it just got buried under a lot of layers, yeah. um, and then I had to like dig back in and uncover it again. It's like 
it's like a hidden cave that just gets under a, a bunch of dirt and layers of, you know, like the process of living that starts to compact it and like push it down, down, down. Um, so I feel like in my, in my upbringing, okay, like I was indoctrinated into evangelical Christianity, you know, from birth. And the one thing that I do want to say about that is that my parents really were doing the best they could. You know, like, because for them, Christianity was like life changing in a really great way because it came at a time in their life when they were ready for it and had already gone through all the other developmental processes, you know, and so they had no way of knowing that dropping me into that kind of indoctrination at birth was going to have like, you know, the traumatic (laughs) residual effects that it had. Um, I was in purity culture and my parents didn't even know what it was, you know, like, so there's this weird disconnect for me as I'm, as I'm reintegrating all this stuff that I'm like, Oh, like all the, all these different layers were happening at once. Right. And so I feel like the purest way of describing my spirituality as like a safe space inside of me, um, again, never went away, but I was so in touch with it as a smaller kid and then slowly, like, especially in my teens and 20s, I think like that was the time that the layers just started coming onto it. And there was more and more expectations of what spirituality should look like, mm. because I've always had spirituality. But when it's in when it's wrapped in a container of religion, especially when there's fundamentalism involved, you know, where there's like, this is how you're supposed to act. This is what you're supposed to say. This is what spirituality looks like. It's mm. got to be. Um, outside of yourself, I think that was the biggest part is that I was taught that spirituality is a way that you connect with like God and other people. And I literally grew up in a situation where it was like, we had that saying of like, God first, others second, yourself last. Yeah. Yeah. I I remember (laughs) this. (laughs) Fuck. And like in theory, you know, especially now that I know personality types and stuff, I'm like, oh, it's definitely like an Enneagram 2 or something that came up with this. <laughs> Not to demonize twos, they're fucking incredible. But you know, it's like everything, everything in context, right? And so it's sure. like when there's a religious box that comes over you and it's like trying to dictate to you how your spirituality should look, that's where the line gets crossed, you know, where it's yeah. like taking away your sovereignty and your agency. So throughout my 20s, especially, like I, I was a worship leader and I had beautiful moments of spiritual connection within that, but it got to a point where it was more and more like fighting against the religious part of it, where it was just like, oh, there's like a disconnect between what I'm feeling inside and what I'm experiencing. And then all of these outside rules, right, that are telling me like what it's supposed to look like mm-hmm. and and it doesn't make sense. And so I think like ultimately the dissonance between those things was what pushed me right out of it. <laughs> because when I deconstructed it with this moment of like, Oh fuck, I can't unsee that. All right. Well, <laughs> like now, now I need to figure out what the fuck I do believe, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm curious, like, um, as far as your practice now goes looking back, like, because, because I like to think like, our minds like to make stories, right? And oh, that yeah. can be that can be a really great thing and can trip us up sometimes too. But like mm-hmm. it really is a unique skill um <laughs> and a useful one. <laughs> I'm I'm curious like with your like who you are now and um understanding spirituality as a safe space within yourself. 
that you're finding through worship and through um, music and art throughout the entire time, whether it would have been deeply buried or not. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like your current spirituality was, was pulling you towards itself even during that time? Oh my God. Yes. Like I, um, I know that you've had lots of conversations with Audra and like Audra mm-hmm. and I have talked about this too, where it's like, it's this really strange, almost like you're living on two different planes of existence at the same time, right? Where it's like, oh, like all of this makes sense religious wise and outer wise, but it really doesn't like line up with, you know, what's going on under the surface. And so yeah. um, were you asking me, sorry, can you repeat your question? I'm like, oh, I'm just, so no. yeah, go ahead. I was just yeah. wanting to know what your thoughts on the through line for that were. Like, yeah. if, if something was, was like pulling you to a more expansive view or like how you view that now. Yes. Thank you. So that was what I was wanting to talk about was the fact that, um, I think I stayed in the churches that I was brought up in for such a long amount of time because there was so much creative expression Mm -hmm. given in those spaces. Like I'm so curious as to how long it would have taken me to deconstruct if there, if I was like, in Catholicism, for example, like, cause I've talked <laughs> to friends who like deconstructed from Catholicism and I've been like, yeah, no, that sounds and nothing against it. Cause it has its place, you know, but I was like, sure. oh, like if I was bored and having to sit and stand all day, like me as an no ENFP Enneagram four projector, oh my God, like I would have been <laughs> out of there so fast. But I think because I was raised in very artful spaces mm-hmm. I was really nourished in creative ways, you know? Mm. So I was able to like, I did live painting in front of the church a bunch of times. I led worship Mm. and I had a lot of like creative control over the songs that I was like choosing, you know? And like, so I feel like in those ways, that creative through line has been the thing. Um, Because if I didn't have access to that, I think I wouldn't have been a worship leader. You know, like, why would I be (laughs) in the church for such a long time if I was absolutely miserable? I would have left. So something there that Mm -hmm. was nourishing to me, even though there was other things, you know, holding that paradox of like, this was nourishing and it was traumatizing and both can be true at the same time, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Isn't that, isn't that like just, being human though like yeah (laughs) everything everything has like its place and its time and like we all we always do things with a reason and you Mm -hmm. know like you don't stay because you're an idiot you stay because it's (laughs) it's doing something for you you know exactly figuring out what that is and if you're like if it's no longer working for you then you can find another way to meet that need but like you're not like, you know, we're there for a reason. Like we stayed for a reason. Our bodies are intelligent. Yeah. Well, and that's such a fucking good point that you just made too, is the fact that like, why would you leave if it's giving you something, you know, it's like when I think about my parents and that, I'm like, they're never going to leave because it's so nourishing for them. And it was nourishing for me up until a point until it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, well, time to move on, I suppose. (laughs) So there we are. (laughs) (laughs) There there we are. Um, (laughs) I'm curious. I'm, I'm fascinated lately, um, by the topic of decisions and, um, moving, like coming from the background that you and I have, and many of our listeners, we have a, um, we were taught a deep seated lack of self-trust. We were taught to look outside of ourselves to, to trust and to like, 
find certainty and um, to then make decisions based on those things. So we had this like ridiculous inhuman level of certainty about things. A lot of the things we did <laughs> while at the same time feeling crippling anxiety that we didn't get it right. So right. I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> <Double-edged sword there. laughs> yes. Oh my God. So many. Um, so I'm curious, like with your, um, if you could tell us about like some of your spiritual practices and how those have helped you make decisions in your life, like how those two things play into each other. Mm. Ooh, that's such a juicy space. Thank you for asking that question. Now I'm going to be thinking about decisions for <laughs> <hours> along. <laughs> um, yeah, I have. So, as a as someone who has just recently gotten into like human design, I'm I'm a projector, and so for me, in like very concise non-human designy terms, that means that. I'm realizing that I don't have access to my energy all of the time. And it's just kind of part of the way that I was designed, which is mm. funny to even say that. Cause I'm like, Oh, that sounds like something I would say in church, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's all compost for the garden. Um, yes. And yes. yeah. And one of the things that I've always needed, like as a form of nourishment have been creative practices and whether it's because of like my human sign or just who I am, like the very particular channel that I have lends itself to seeing things visually, hearing things, um, and then like expressing mysteries on paper and through Mm -hmm. music and through movement, like multiple modalities of creativity. Um, I also want to say that I think that all human beings are creative and all human beings are artists. It's like mm-hmm. the hill that I will die on, um, <laughs> that we're all just like creating art with our lives and being yeah. creative with the set of circumstances that we have and figuring out, you know, how to form them. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, that's always been like creating is like breathing, <laughs> like the times in my life that I got closest to, not existing anymore and like not wanting to exist anymore were the times that I wasn't in my creative practices. Um, Mm. like, and the most potent of those times were probably both times I was postpartum. Mm. I went into like real depression area and I, part of that was me stopping creating and not even really realizing it, you know, cause you're birthing a whole human being and you're fucking tired. Sure. <laughs> yes. It's exhausting. <laughs> and that, you know, looking back on it, on it was my massive act of creation during mm-hmm. that time. But because right. I didn't have access to like painting and drawing and moving my body, you know, especially after my first, because I had a C-section and I couldn't move for like a month. And that was so hard for me because it's like I'm mo- moving my body as part of my creative yeah. processing. Um, and so all of those things are really integral in helping me make decisions because they're the things that help me clear my body and my channel, like my mind, my emotions, to be able to receive whatever's coming through in a way that's not like distorted if that makes sense. So it's like, mm-hmm. I have to spend a lot, a lot of time on myself and this like inner channel to be able to make decisions that are actually aligned for me. And it took me a really long time to figure that out, especially because of what we've been talking about, like all this conditioning of decision-making needing to be outside yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I first left the church, I swung 
completely the other direction, you know, as we do as humans and was like, oh, well, I don't need anybody. <laughs> and I, I need to, you know, it was like a very into graves three red territory of like, I am a, tr I need to be myself and like find my anger and my rage and I don't need anybody and like nihilism and all of these things. <laughs> and then I had to kind of come back to center where I was like, oh, well, it's not, it's not a binary. It's not like this or that. Mm. It's a yes. And all of the things. Um, and so another interesting aspect of my personality is that I'm an obliger. I don't know if you know about the four tendencies. Mm -hmm. Gretchen Rubin writes about different tendencies for motivation. So you asking about deci decisions made me think of that. And like one mm -hmm. of the tendencies is an obliger. And it's basically, it's based on whether you get the most juice of motivation from external sources or internal sources or a combination or neither. So mm -hmm. like my husband is a rebel and he has a really hard time with motivation because he does not get motivation from inner or outer. Really. He needs to have something that he really, really loves <laughs> to be able to like do it. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm an obliger, with, which means that I need external motivation. And that was really, really difficult for me because I think I put um, external motivation for decision-making into this box with religion yeah, and so I yeah. didn't have access to it for a while because oh. I was like, oh, I can't listen to anybody outside of myself. And that's not really true. Like I honor my inner truth, but I also need things from people. Like as a projector, I have to honor invitations and like mm -hmm. responding to people. It's not just like me in a vacuum. <laughs> and so <laughs> all of those things are kind of combined. <laughs> I feel like there's, yeah. a, there's a stage in like all of our healing where we, we think for like I don't know. However, it's a different amount of time for each of us that we think we're in yeah. a vacuum and that we can do it all ourselves. And it's, and it's nonsense. It's, <laughs> yeah, it totally is. And also I think, I think we like need that moment to be like, wait, this doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Humans have to like wildly pendulum swing to each side of the binary <laughs> it seems before we can come back to like center oh balance. God. Especially me. I definitely, um, <laughs> I definitely learned by experience, experience. Like I can't, I can't learn any other way. It's just, I have to just start <laughs> doing things. If I'm the person that at game night, someone will read the directions and I will ignore them the entire time. And then be like, then I will start playing the game and I'll figure it out. But like, <laughs> I am not going to fucking listen to the directions. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, you, so I love that you describe this process and I think it's so beautiful that you are in touch with the, the creative system that is at the, I, I also agree that it's, a, it's something that everyone is doing. It is in the heart of who we are as people to be making things, whatever that is, mm -hmm. however that looks. Um, yeah. I'm wondering if you could walk us through like a decision that you made and like how your practice of art influence that like just a little bit more practically like the detail of that yeah experience for you okay so I've got a very specific one Yay. and it has to do and it has to do with inner and outer because it has to do with friendship so oh, cool. I so I'm I have lots of friends and only a few that are super deep right because I'm an ENFP and I love people um but I've been learning how to like manage all of that energy, you know, because also when you're an adult with a life and responsibilities, you only have a certain capacity energetically for yep. a certain number of relationships. And like, 
for a really long time, I had the uh, hubris to think that I could like maintain a bunch at once, you know, like just that's an ENFP problem. <laughs> so I'm learning in my 30s to not do that and not like stretch my friendships too far. And um, one of the things that happened in the last couple months is that I had a really close friend who we were we were super close, but it was like one of those friendships where it's almost like too fiery too much and then just like burns out really fast you know there can be like love relationships like that too mm-hmm. where it's just like yeah. a summer romance almost but with a friend um and that pretty much happened and then we were starting to get to a place where there was you know when you feel like you're supposed to pull away from someone but it hurts you to pull away from them mm-hmm. and you're like in that liminal space of tension where you're like I think we're not supposed to be interacting as much as we are, but that makes me sad, you know? And it's like, there's all these other things happening like drama Mm -hmm. that I don't need to go into. Um, And to make the process a little easier for me to make the decision finally to like pull away required that I took time to really actively process it and what that means for me is that I literally went into my studio um on a particular day when I was just really really angry at this person honestly it was like bringing up a bunch of my boundary stuff that I needed to explore anyway Mm -hmm. um so one of the practices that I really love to do is something that I call like a burial practice on canvas or on paper Mm -hmm. and I will play music and I will let myself feel all my feelings about it like I'll just let them lava flow out and I will do like automatic stream of consciousness writing Mm. as like an open letter to this person um and maybe even an open letter to myself relating to this person so that I can get it all out there and I can just like express you know like release Mm. the shit that has been clogging up the pipes you know Um, and then I move into, once I feel complete with the words, I will move into a different, um, process where I'm painting over it and like give, it's almost like a compassion meditation, but with paint, um, where I'm sending love to all the parts of myself that are feeling hurt. And I'm sending love to all the parts of this other person that are feeling hurt and like thanking the third entity of our relationship that was formed and like letting them know that they're released because, you know, I need to break up basically with this friend. Mm. Um, and it's basically by the time I was finished, I had, you know, a letter on canvas that had been painted over and like become a different thing. Um, and that's basically what my art practice is. It's like this emergent process of processing taking like the input and like allowing it to be alchemized into something beautiful, um, messy and beautiful, you know? Um, and so through that process, I was able to come through the stress cycle and through, you know, the surface level. Cause when you're clenching and you're like stressed about it and you're in like a fight or flight mode, that's not a time to make deep decisions. (laughs) Right. About friendships or about anything, really. And so Mm -hmm. these creative practices like painting, like ecstatic dance, like um, writing are all practices that I use and are scientifically proven to to release the stress cycle, almost like when an antelope shakes it out after they play dead. Like that's literally what I'm doing with my nervous system. And then it brings me back down to the core part of me which is where the passion and the creativity and all the most aligned juice like lives. 
And then when I get to that place, I have, you know, calmness after about six hours of doing this process this is a particularly intense one. It doesn't always take that long for me. Mm. Um, but at the end I felt calm and collected and like realized that we did need to break up our friendship, but I didn't feel like I knew that it was what the decision that needed to be made. And it was an aligned one. And I didn't have any questions about it because I had followed all my inner thrashing and then subsequently all my inner knowing after that thrashing had like settled. So that's, that's so beautiful. I'm just, it's so interesting because like it, it's very intuitive and very um, embodied. Like the, usually I like, you know, when you come to like a big decision, our like inclination is to think it out, right? Like to, to just like skip almost to the, to the knowing at the end. They're like, I should just know. As if we can. Yeah. As if, (laughs) as if that's possible. But like what I hear you saying is like, you are allowing your body to express like your thoughts and feelings. And also you're, you're, you're moving your body in this process. Yeah. And and allowing that settling to come naturally to you. Yeah. And you know, what's really interesting about this word um, express and expression. I have a really different picture of it, I think, than a lot of people have, because when you think of like creative expression, you're like, oh, I'm like being me and I'm making something that's mine. And for me, as someone who um, breastfed two babies, (laughs) the word express, for me actually means something very different because if you're someone who has had kids and you breastfed, or even if you didn't, you just had like, you know, the milk in there, Mm -hmm. there comes a time when it needs to be expressed, like released. Otherwise you have so much pain. You get like, you know, um, you can get sick. You can get infections. If you don't allow the milk to release. (laughs) fucking hurts. Like no one talks about this stuff. And one of the things that I had to do with both my kids, because I was like a major like milk creator, apparently, <laughs> I literally would have to like, and hopefully this is not TMI because you know, I don't it is know. What it is, I don't know what that is. Okay, perfect. Me too. <laughs> but I literally would have to like put my boob into hot water, like dip it, you know, and then yeah. like literally <laughs> push the milk out, express the milk. Express. Yeah. Wouldn't make me sick. And it makes me think about like Brene Brown says a thing that's so profound that, um, unused creativity is not benign. Mm. It metastasizes. It turns into emotional tumors in our system and it doesn't go anywhere. It just stays. And so I'm so passionate about helping people go through that embodied process because like that's really what we need like we're so mental and our brains are such beautiful like imagination machines but they need the rest of the body to be able to channel properly yeah could not agree with you more Mm -hmm. it's it's so it's it's interesting to look at like the whole of like psychology and um the way that Western medicine has typically mm-hmm. been and, and like this complete separation of like the mind from the body's experiences. And like, I know that people yeah. are working on integrating that more now, but like the way that we were raised was, it was such a separate thing. And yeah. like the, 
separating us from our bodies and our body experiences and telling us we don't need them is like a major part of colonialism and capitalism. So yeah. coming back to your body is, is such a reclamation of, of everything. Yeah. No Embodiment is such revolution. Yeah. And it's not, it's not fucking new. Like this is like, no. this is, <laughs> this is indigenous wisdom. This is the yeah. wisdom of, you know, this is like, I think it's really important to note that like the people like us who are talking about this now who are white are not the ones who are inventing these ideas. Like this is wisdom that has been around. We are coming back to wisdom that has been there all along. We're standing on the shoulders of thousands and thousands of years of history and humans who, yeah, we have a tendency to think that we're evolved. (laughs) Going back, really. It's so funny to me. Like, I don't know if you've ever read the book *Sapiens*, but highly mm-hmm. recommend it. It's basically like a human. It's a it's a whole really interesting human history, like combining all those elements that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, like we have had this understanding, like this relationship with the earth. Mm-hmm. Indigenous people know it inherently, and like, yeah, white people like us are like, oh, we're coming back to the roots of like, like I have roots in Celtic mysticism, for example, yeah. that I'm just starting to get to know, and it's like all of us have ancestry, both like healthy and unhealthy, <laughs> that we need to deal with and like yeah. face as part of this process. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 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 absolutely. Mm-hmm. beautiful um I have one final question for you before we conclude um and that is what is in um and maybe you've already said this but like what is an anchoring belief about your life that has served you like something mm. it doesn't it doesn't have to have been how like in the past but like yeah I know beliefs change as they serve us and I'm just curious mm-hmm. like in your life now what is something that you're coming back to when things yeah. are difficult or confusing so I actually have three things that Yay. came up all at okay. once They're okay. kind of like the holy trinity <laughs> the trifecta Bless. Um, the first <laughs> one is that it is safe to trust myself it's mm. absolutely safe to trust myself the second one is that Um, there's a quote by Hafiz that says, um, now is the season to know that everything you do is sacred. So for me, everything is sacred ritual. Um, and then the third one is that it's a little outside of human language, honestly, but, but I think the third one has to do with like releasing, you know, being open to the process and that, um, Octavia Butler quote about God is change like leaning into change being the constant mm-hmm. has been like so beautiful for me. So those three are kind of like the the rope that are the cord in my core. Yeah. Yeah. And what's like, what are you thinking about right now? Like what's been on your mind lately? Oh, so much all the time. I'm a fucking projector. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> in the channel uh this morning actually what I've been thinking about is um is heart and how that's connected to art this is such a corny like I'm I'm so corny so corny and I'm finally leaning into it the corniness um but I was thinking about um actually a piece by 
I can't remember his first name, something Newman, but he made this neon sign that's basically a mandala spiral that says that the job of the artist is to reveal mystery and like unveil the mystical. And so I'm thinking about that a lot in my practice and in my life. Like how can we lean into mystery, especially with such a, a, a background of needing certainty? Like how can we release certainty just a little bit more? you know yeah it's so it's so I mean especially from where we came from it's really easy to like want to find another certainty oh yeah it's there are so many people just making lateral moves right now and like that's fine (laughs) it's also part of the process but just just know that it's really easy to just move into another fundamentalism (laughs) yes certainty to certainty spoiler alert (laughs) a very human thing to do you, you walked left you didn't go you didn't go forward or up <laughs> yep we <laughs> all did it <laughs> yep yeah well um I'm gonna end our session there but it was so good talking to you you too thank you so much for having me on this podcast I am honored and excited to see what people want to talk about and like respond to this conversation moving forward so yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for joining me today. If you are wanting one-on-one support to help you step into trusting yourself, seeing your own magic, and building the life that you want, you can contact me on my website. The website is below in the show notes. I hope you all have a bitchin' day.